Nice to see you all. George Nix, our outreach pastor, thank you for leading us as we pray for the team headed to Shale. <clears throat> that is great. Very exciting stuff. Ah, it's nice to see you. I see some friendly faces. I see some other faces. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I see some new faces. I'd be glad to meet you out in the lobby after the service. Learn your name. Welcome. I'm Isaac, the lead pastor, and just so glad that you are here. We are in a brief two-week series uh, talking about giving to God through uh, the local church. And uh, glad that we are in it together. In just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to send in some of your bits to the conversation. So you can do that through the text message uh, phone number that you see here. It'll come back up, so don't feel like you missed it if it disappears. But last week, I think it was really important as we kind of mined the scriptures and asked the question, is tithing biblical? And what I did is I took what was a rather lengthy sermon and time with you and consolidated it to five and a half minutes so that we can all be on the same page this morning. Some of you are thinking, I want to see this version of Isaac preaching more often. It's a bit more succinct and there's nearly no filler. All right, here we go. Here's last week. Take a look. Today, the good news is we're going to talk about tithing, and here's why it's good news for you. I am going to argue against the rule of tithing. Tithing is the Christian practice of giving the first 10% of their income, forgive the typo, to the church. Now, some of you are wondering where I'm going. I don't think it is a rule that we have to follow. Let's define what a rule is. Rules are typically strict and absolute with clear consequences for breaking them. So according to that definition, does the Bible require tithing as a rule? The first response is yes. Yes, in the Old Testament, tithing is in the Bible as a rule. And he commanded them to tithe. Deuteronomy says this in several places. You shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year. The very end of the Old Testament has Malachi encouraging to bring the full tithe to the storehouse. This is a very clear rule that God made. But the coming of Jesus fulfilled the law of the Old Testament. And many of the rules have been done away with. Now, we are to be driven by the rule of love. Paul writes this in Romans 13. He says, Oh, nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. So now in the New Testament, there's this new, big, overarching rule. Love God and love others. Now in another letter to another church in Corinth, Paul writes to this church in regards to money. But remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Now, notice he says we're not supposed to give under compulsion. If, from the New Testament perspective, tithing was a rule, I think this would be a moment where Paul would remind them, don't forget to follow the rule of tithing. It's not a hard and fast rule. Rather, it's a big invitation to live into the freedom of generosity. You see, it's not about rules. 
Rather, Paul is describing kingdom values of giving that support the ministry. Kingdom values. Let's define some values. Values are a set of principles or beliefs that an individual or group holds to be important and guides their behavior and their decision-making. They are far less rigid than rules and less specific than guidelines. He directly deals with their money because they're invited into being generous with their money for the support of ongoing ministry that is happening. This is one of the kingdom values, the kingdom of Jesus, because God gave extravagantly. So we, as agents of his kingdom, enact his value of generosity in every way possible. The first principle, we will reap what we sow. Paul says the point is this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. The one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So in thinking about the ministry of New Hope Foursquare, if we do not sow generously into supporting the ministry here at New Hope, we will reap sparingly. This is a principle that we understand. But if we sow generously, we will reap generously. The second principle, God loves a cheerful giver. We should be seriously minded about our giving, but we should never get serious on the side of worry or angst. We could be a joyful giver. I cannot outgive God. Whoo! That's a big statement because there's a line that we would all come to and say, well, this might be outgiving God. Like, if I give this much away, he won't provide for me anymore. My future won't be secure anymore. Maybe this is an opportunity for you to laugh with me. You've been deceived. You think you're your own maker. You think you're your own provider. You think all this stuff is yours. You think that you came up with it all. Ha 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 ha. Here's a key point. We don't give what is ours. We give what is his. We don't own anything. We are simply stewards. We don't own land. We steward a marked out piece of property. We don't own anything. It's a falseness for us to think of ourselves as owners. We are stewards. And when we recognize that, it's much easier to give because we're just passing through what we are steward. Principle number three, God provides for the one who gives. That's just true. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. God provides for the one who gives. Here's what I think about tithing. I think it's a helpful guideline. In contrast to a rule, guidelines are more flexible and offer suggested courses of action or best practices without necessarily being enforceable. So I made this chart for you to help you think about this. Rules, guidelines, values. We started by talking about asking the question, is this a rule? Rigid, clear, specific, bringing condemnation and shame for all those who are out it. Being very narrow. Values are flexible. Kingdom values. So we're to be people of generosity. That's a value and it's, it's immense and it calls us into account in every area of our lives. Guidelines are in between the rules and the values and they give us something to measure. They give us a parameter. And that's what I feel like Jesus is inviting us as a congregation into. Courageously considering that the guideline of tithing is a great place to start. I think giving the first 10% of our income to the ministry of the local church here at New Hope, that's a great place to start. It's a great principle. It's a great guideline. It helps you to know if you're getting into the generous zone. So I would encourage us to get into the generous zone, to take a risk with God. I think the practice of tithing 10% of your income is a great starting point for developing a lifestyle of generosity. Not a rule that you have to be afraid of, but a guideline that empowers you. Mm.
Some of you felt like you just got a fire hose put in your face. <laughs> so if I ever say M or um or ah, uh, I'm just giving you all space to catch up. That's all that's happening. Because yeah, oh my goodness. Let's stand together and read the scriptures for this morning. <clears throat> You read in yellow, I'll read in white. Hebrews 10:38, and my righteous ones will live by faith, but I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. Hebrews 11:1 1 through 2, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, people in the days of old earned a good reputation. The word of the Lord. Yeah. Here's an opportunity for you to text in as you receive the fire hose. Some of you were here last week and you uh, got a chance to meditate and muse. A simple question for you today that everybody can participate with. I want you to text one word to this phone number that indicates your heart condition right now. So one word. <laughs> I know, this is it's called narrowing the field of possible responses. All right, you have one minute to send that to me and then we'll interact. Go. Okay, <laughs> creative people, even with one word, creative, creative people, yeah. Um, so I'm just going to read, and I won't collate any of these for you. Um, <clears throat> somebody wrote willing, another person wrote troubled. Somebody said palpitations, that uh, must be after that fire hose. Somebody said open, another person said open. Somebody, I love this word, I think it's made up, chuckly. <laughs> I feel chuckly. Another person said joy. Um, several people said ready, thankful, open. Somebody wrote irregular. I don't know. <laughs> As a pastor, I can give advice on many things. That may not be one of them. Somebody said they're tired. Another person said they're worried. Um, somebody called me a wannabe. Um, well, I assume maybe they're feeling like a wannabe. Oh, maybe that's what it is. I should not assume. <laughs> all right. Uh, somebody said overstimulated. I would guess so. There's 
plenty going in. Let's give that person five seconds of quiet. Hmm. Another person wrote hungry. <laughs> uh, inspired, blessed, redeemed, God is good, I feel squishy, somebody said. <laughs> Comforted, I need help, somebody said they feel broken. Um, another person said balancing, challenged and encouraged, you cheated, that's two, but that's okay. <laughs> And somebody <clears throat> wrote, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. <laughs> and that's the text in. Thank you. Wide variety of emotions. And I appreciate you being courageous enough to, to lean in. Somebody asked me, several people asked me, is it really hard to talk about money in church? No, it's not for me. But I know it's hard for many of us. Thank you for leaning in. Today, I want to present three things. The first thing we'll talk through is that we should fulfill our responsibility to one another by supporting the local church. Together, we can uplift, encourage, and strengthen each other on our faith journeys. We'll talk that through. Secondly, all Christians live by faith. And giving is a powerful act that demonstrates our unwavering trust and belief in God's provision and plan for our lives. Before I get to the third one, just a reminder that I constructed this message based upon the feedback you gave me last week. So we're, we're going to be addressing some of the places that I sense that you were at. The third thing, when we open our hands in giving, we unlock a floodgate of blessings, material, spiritual, and emotional, that, every, that overflow into every aspect of our lives. Okay, let's start with the first one. We should fulfill our responsibility to one another by supporting the local church. Together, we can uplift, encourage, and strengthen one another in our faith journeys. Okay, so in the New Testament, the, the church... Uh, the local church is described with various metaphors, and we're going to talk through a couple of them. And these metaphors actually help us to understand our responsibility to one another. Uh, the church is a body. It's a family. It's a flock. It's a bride. So we'll talk through each of these metaphors and how they invite us to care for one another, including financially. First is a body. Paul writes this in several places. In Romans 12, 4 through 5, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. That's us. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Consider how our bodies work. Contained in each of our bodies are the resources to care for other parts of the body. Um, I will not totally speak out of turn. There are a few doctors in our congregation, and they can correct me. But the body's immune system is pretty incredible. It's responsible for defending the body against uh, harmful invaders, keeping the body healthy. Similarly, the body of Christ, which is us, is composed of all of us, has a responsibility to protect and strengthen 
the church against spiritual harm and maintain its health and its well-being. So the metaphor of the body are very helpful. For example, uh, white blood cells <laughs> and as a part of our immune system. They help our immune system to function. When the body is receiving proper nutrition and hydration, the body is able to produce white, white blood cells that are produced in our bone marrow. And the immune system, when healthy, protects the body. When the immune system is compromised or weakened, the body becomes vulnerable to disease and illness. Similarly, when the body of Christ is not functioning as it should, the church can become vulnerable to spiritual attack and decay. Therefore, just as we take care of our physical bodies through proper nutrition and exercise, it's important for all believers to actively participate in providing the means needed for a healthy body together. So if you are struggling with your bodily health, your doctor might ask about what you are investing into your body or ingesting into your body. Likewise, when we see the body of Christ struggling or faltering, we should ask about what we are contributing to it. And money is one of the resources that we are invited to put into the body so we can be strong and accomplish what God has called us to. It's been said, and I believe this is true, that God doesn't need your money. I agree. But God does need to free us from the idolatry of money by lavishly giving it back to him and to others. So here's a key question that came up last week. Here's the question. Should I give to the lo a local church or parachurch organization or to missions? How does that all happen? And... Uh, that's a great question because there's lots of ways to give. And I'm glad that several of you brought that up. The answer to this, everybody drum roll please, the answer is yes to all. <laughs> yes, you should give. Here's how I invite you to prioritize it. 10% to the local church, above and beyond, which the word we would call is like an offering, above and beyond, support the rest. Why? The local church body is the origin and the primary support of all other ministry. There is no parachurch organization without the local church. There is no young life without the local church. There's no hope pregnancy without the local church. There's no missions organizations without the local church. It is all sprung from the local church. So we need to support the foundation first. We start there, and then we give above and beyond. Thank you for that. The next metaphor, a family. We are family. Mm. That's all the words I know to. That's all. Oh, wait, something sisters and brothers sing. Something written in burden to sing. <laughs> Ephesians 2.19 says this, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens. That's a powerful metaphor in itself. Along with all of God's holy people, you are members of God's family. Yes. It's a powerful metaphor that is used. It becomes actually our first family. Jesus 
when asked about his mother and his brothers, he said, who are, who is my mother and who are my brothers except for those that do the will of God? He elevated above what is unnatural in his word and world and unnatural in ours, elevated the Christian families being the primary family that we are committed to. It's very powerful. Praise God, we are brought in. Every family member has privileges and responsibilities. So I've got a couple of my kids in the room. We are Hovitz. There is a privilege that comes along with being a Hovitz. My daughter is giving me a thumbs up. My son is questioning that. My youngest doesn't know what to think. No, I'm just kidding. I don't. But there are privileges. And there are responsibilities. But our privileges, we get a name, a place, there's love, there's order, there's accountability. These are the privileges. But then there's responsibility. At one point, all of our kids have been responsible for unloading the dishwasher. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We have responsibility to maintain the order of our home. We have a responsibility to speak truthfully to one another. We have responsibility to ask for forgiveness, to confess when we've broken things wrong. We have a responsibility in our family to trust that the grace of Jesus gives us the opportunity to be honest about all things that are going on in our lives. We have these responsibilities to one another. Likewise, as a church family, we have responsibilities. We, well, we have privileges, a place to worship, ministries that bless us, ways to serve into the community, the teaching of God's word that comes through. These are privileges that we just get to have. But also we have the responsibility as a church family to contribute in every way, including with our money. Another key question that came up last week, several people said in trepidation, are you going to ask me to give more? It's <laughs> a good question that came up. Here's the answer. God would ask each of us to take responsibility. We have an obligation, which is a word that is almost a no-no in our culture. We have an obligation. Now, this is not Isaac asking. This is God inviting us into this practice. And we are obligated. Now, I am not <laughs> the one that holds you accountable. You are not ultimately obligated to me because this isn't my church. I am an under-shepherd, right? Now, our government, you have obligations to them, and they will hold you accountable. <laughs> Has anybody ever had an unpleasant interaction with the IRS? Yes. If you do not fulfill your obligation and your responsibility to our society, you will get letters and phone calls and eventually knock, knock, knock. <laughs> you will be held accountable by God one day. And that is a much bigger deal than even the IRS. We don't like that in our culture. We tend to think that God can be interacted with at our whim, pleasure, 
or preference. That's not the way it actually is. The next metaphor, we are a flock. <laughs> I tend to think of a flock of sheep, but the first thing that came to my mind when I said it out loud was a flock of birds. And <laughs> but as sheep, we are a flock. In Acts 20, 28, Paul is speaking to the Ephesian elders, and he says, so guard yourself and God's people, feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. Flocks create protection for one another. There's power in numbers. There's power in moving in unity together. As individuals in a flock, however, we are prone to wander away. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Yeah. <laughs> Some of you finishing the song. Thank you. We, we are prone to wander away. We are prone to lag, to drag the rest of the flock down. We're prone to be stubborn. We are lovely, but we need to be led. And when we choose to support God's church here financially, we are refusing to go it alone, and we are entrusting the greater flock to provide direction and to provide under-shepherds for us. So here's a key question from last week. This came in a couple different forms. Do you feel, Isaac, badly about having to sell God or convince us to give? That was a very interesting question. The answer is no. <laughs> Jesus is the chief shepherd, but he has entrusted the leadership of the church to us under-shepherds, of which I am one. So we under-shepherds, we're going first. I would never ask you to do anything that Jesus has not asked me to do. My kids have even asked over the years, so you receive a paycheck from the church and then you tie it back to the church? Is that weird? <laughs> No, because we're not giving to the church, we're giving to God. Yeah. As, you, as your lead shepherd, I go first. So I courageously, but without hypocrisy, say, follow me as I follow Christ. The final metaphor, a bride. Hmm. This one gets me, and we'll come back to this. Paul's writing, for husbands, this means to love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her, the church, it's the her, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. We together are the bride of Christ. Until the Lord returns, we are asked to care for the bride of Christ. We are asked to be generous and sacrificial. Hmm. That's our first big point. The second one today. All Christians live by faith, and giving is a powerful act that demonstrates our unwavering trust and belief in God's provision and plan for our lives. If there is possibly a ubiquitous, totally common stumbling block to the Jesus follower, to 
uh, that would keep him or her from trusting God, it is our money. And this is why it's so powerful for us when we choose to give over, not knowing how the needs will be met, but give over in faith. Hebrews 10.38, we read this, and the right, my righteous ones will live by? Faith. My righteous ones will live by? Faith. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. Faith is not a feeling. It is an embodied, trusting action. So you, if you're wanting to grow in your faith, deal with money every day. And so as you choose to give sacrificially and even riskily to the local church or to the ministries that God has around the world, you are stepping into a place in which your faith can be activated. We don't need to look much further beyond our money to know how we as Americans who mostly have some money to deal with, how to grow in our faith. A few moments from now, you're going to hear some stories of people who have experienced the results of faith. You guys remember Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Yep. <laughs> There's a powerful scene that shows us what faith looks like, and I wanted you to see it. Take a look. Wow, that is a powerful picture of faith. And did you notice that he scattered that, those pebbles backwards? We can only see how faith works in retrospect. And we are invited into taking that step. And some of you, I mean, I received so many messages last week. Like, how in the world would how in the world would I give away which is my provision first? 
And I would say, you are <laughs> like, like, like Indy. You're going to step and you're going to find that there's solid ground when we are stepping into trusting God. Malachi says this. We referenced this last week. Should people cheat God? <laughs> That's a rhetorical question, by the way. <laughs> but you have cheated me. This is God speaking. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? He says, you've cheated me out of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. He says, bring all the tithes to the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple if you do, says the Lord of heaven's army, this is, this is what we're called to trust. I will open the windows of heaven for you, for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test, God says. Wow. That's a powerful invitation. And what it means is all of us with our natural eyes, our eyes of the flesh, cannot possibly see what God might do, but we're supposed to see with eyes of faith, and we're supposed to step into a lifestyle of faith to see God come through. And what happens when we open our hands in giving, we unlock a floodgate of blessings, material, spiritual, and emotional, that overflow into every aspect of our lives. As your shepherd, as under-shepherd under the chief shepherd Jesus, I want you to grow in this, not for the benefit only of us achieving our mission, but for you to be able to walk in the freedom of faith. Okay, so I've asked some people to be ready to share some testimonies, and I honestly don't even know which of them are going to share, but I want to give some space for a few of them. If you are somebody that I talked to this last week and you're willing to share a testimony, 45 seconds to a minute, as I instructed in the email, would you stand right where you are? Would you stand? I know we have a few. Yep, okay, we have a few. Come on up here, please. Come on up here. <clears throat> and one at a time, Donnie, grab that microphone. <clears throat> And I want you to share. Oh, man, we got several. This, this will be great. Do you want to kick it off? Oh, I mean, I can. All right. Okay, I'm kicking it off. We'll see if I can keep it down to 45 seconds. Probably Step not. Step right up. Um, well, I've shared this before, but for those of you who haven't heard my personal testimony, my, I did not grow up going to church. My family didn't uh, go to church. My parents, my grand, we had no legacy of Jesus in our home. When I was 10 years old, we started going to church, and my parents got saved, my sister got saved, then I got saved, and within a few months, the church had their way with my parents and their personal finances. And what was really beautiful about it is my parents were on a really bad path with their money and they paired them up with someone who helped them get on track, but they taught my parents the principle of tithing. And immediately we moved. We had to get out of the house we were in. We squashed into a little apartment. My sister and I had to share a room and we fought a lot. I was grounded a lot. <laughs> and um, my parents started teaching me to tithe. And here's what I want to leave you with. That seed that was planted prepared me for my entire life of following Jesus. If you are struggling with a next step in following Jesus, tithing is your next step. Mm. Because money breaks us. Mm. 
from pride. It breaks us from our disbelief. And one of the biggest things that we will always be challenged with as as human creatures who are divided against God through our origin of sin is faith. Hmm. And Jesus said, I require only one thing of you. And that is faith. So if I were to tell you the best thing that you could possibly do for your relationship with God is to give 10% of your income, it's only because I want you to experience the bedrock of every single week laying down a brick, a brick, a brick, a brick, a brick. By the time I got to 18 years old, I knew that I needed to follow Jesus. Mm. That didn't come just because of a feeling. Mm. That didn't just come because I, you know, somehow believed that it was right. It came because my, my money was talking from the time that I was 10 years old. Mm. And then when God called us in, into senior pastoring, it pushed us forward into that calling. Mm. This is the wind in your sails. That's it. All right. Step right up. Step right up. Thank you. Mike, that wasn't 45 seconds, just so you know. I'm going I'm to take the same 45 seconds. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, when I grew up, uh, I won't say that I was, our family was poor, but we kind of lived in the same neighborhood. Hmm. So uh, I grew up uh, thinking that I needed to really try to control my money, and uh, that was a, a, a given, I think, with our family. Um, I think for a long time, I kind of wanted to blame it on the Scottish heritage that I had in our family, where it was like, hang on to that dollar because you don't know you need to get another one. (laughs) So it it took a while to kind of come to grips with that. And I realized that after a long time and stuff that I really needed to start tithing and stuff. And for me, it was a very scary step. It was one of those things like, okay, I'm going to turn loose of this money and what's going to happen next? But I did it. And what I found that it not only, not only helped me as far as my stewarding of my money, but it also helped me to realize that I could start to be generous because he made me a better, he made me a better steward of the money that I was given. And I will just say that what it ultimately ended up doing for me was that it ended up where the almighty God was more powerful than the almighty dollar. Wow. Oh, that's good. That is good. Step right up, Michael Prowl. And Bobette. Well, this is a twofer. Well, I'm just twofer support. <laughs> well, we are one, right? That's right. Yeah, there we go. Oh, my goodness. Um, I'm going to share what I shared with Isaac last week on, on the text. But since then, I've looked back, and Bobette and I have talked about this uh, so many times. And um, what, once, I mean, there's stories. I, I could go on for hours, all the blessings. But the uh, main thing we decided in late 90s, 2000, that I was working construction. I was on the road in different states here and there. I was making great money. Over time, we had to, uh, you know, provide for the family. Had two daughters in college, one getting ready to graduate. So it's like, it, was, it was crazy. And it's like, but the household was suffering from me being gone. And we talked. We decided together uh, it was time for me to get off the road and come back to home and um, on a maintenance job. And so that, in turn, um, we lost $20,000 a year. And we never looked back. We trusted the Lord. Um, and, and that's when we learned what stewarding, what God has given us, was all about. And it, we, we didn't have any hardships. And... The Lord has blessed us beyond our belief ever since, and 
like, like Pastor Isaac says, you cannot outgive God. And um, here, here's an example that stuck with me when we were learning stewardship many years ago. You have a friend in Jesus. And if you have a friend that's next to you and they need food, they need bread, you take 10 slices of bread, all Jesus wants is one. Mm. One slice of bread for your friend. We have a friend in Jesus Christ, right? Mm. So, I mean, it, and it's, it's just amazing. It stuck with us. And another thing, you have a hand out to worship. You hold your hands up to worship God. If you're holding a closed fist, what kind of worship does that tell the Lord that you're doing? Wow. And what can you receive back with a closed fist? Hmm. The Lord will bless you immensely. And hindsight has taught us that over and over and over. It's Thank 2020 you. when you're looking back. Yeah. I just want to add real quick. Um, when we decided to do that, um, where he came home and um, we lost $20,000, I was on budgeting. And um, I remember being really scared about this. I'm like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? But we had just recently started tithing, like very recently. And so it was very, very terrifying for me. But I look back and there was zero hardship during that time. And I thought, and I didn't even really think about it because we just kind of dove in and just did it. But I'm looking back, I'm like, there was no hardship at all. In fact, it was all blessings and immense blessings since then in more than we can ask, imagine, or even think. Wow. Absolutely. Thank you, Prowls. Have fun in Guatemala tomorrow. <laughs> Hi, Jessica. Hi. I'm Jessica, and my husband Caleb is here too, and I'm going to say something different than I think what you're going to share. But I'm one of the people who tends to Id idolize money. And especially when times are tight, it becomes more and more of like, okay, I got to just do the right thing with this. And for me, during those times especially, it's really, really important to give willingly, like put that as my first bucket in the budget, to put, give to the Lord first, knowing and trusting, just like Indiana Jones, that he is going to be there. Yes. And that gives me so much so much faith to just walk forward with in other areas of life. There's so many times where I look back and I'm like, did God really say that to me? Was that really him? I don't know. Now I'm second guessing everything, <laughs> but it's never like that with giving tithe. Wow. It's like, oh, that was money. We had this many dollars and we didn't know how things were going to get paid. And then God just made the way like, st like logically, statistically, it's black and white. Wow. God made the way and I don't have to doubt. I can have faith, and it's right there in black and white. Mm. So that's really helpful. Preach. That's good. Thank you. Jessica, step right up. Oh, Caleb, completing the duo. Yeah, we'll, we'll just knock it all out. Um, I have been giving my whole life uh, from the time I was a little kid. My, but the thing is, my family has always had very little. And when I moved out on my own, I learned how to budget shortly after that. My parents didn't do that before. So I learned how to do it from a, from a friend. And we learned that budgeting uh, includes tithing first at the very top of the list. And then even what, what I learned from that experience, there were several stories that came to mind when Isaac sent that email. But the, the story that came to mind is that even when 
I had just moved out at the age of 21, and my two roommates, who are 18 and 19, both lost their jobs and both their cars broke down, and I was paying for everything by myself. Um, that even though I was paying for everything by myself, making minimum wage as a server, not allowed to receive tips because I worked in assisted living. Anyway, there's a lot of details. <laughs> also, I wasn't even full-time. Anyway, I was able to make every single bill on time. Wow. Even through all of that. And I, God's math is better than my math. That's wow. all I got to say. Oh, that's good. God's math is better than mine. Well, hello, Debbie. Hi, everyone. Hi. As a, a new Christian about six years ago, I wasn't raised in church, knew nothing. I'd heard the word tithing, knew nothing about it. Um, so I came and I wanted to give, so I was giving a small penance. But because I was uh, very much like Jessica said, money I was, it was an idol to me. And being in finance my whole life, um, I have my own budget spreadsheets at home, and when things are going to be paid and it's all my way, I was in control. So um, Donya did a, a talk about four years ago, I think, on tithing. And I thought about it, and I went home, and I happened to watch, I think I was watching 700 Club, and they had the same talk that same day, and then I read something. And I know when I hear something three times, God's going on my head. <laughs> I really felt that. And I was like, well, there is no way. I don't know how I can. I have all this debt, and I'm trying to get out, and it's all going. And I said, you're going to have to show me. You're going to have to show me how. So I went into my office, opened up my spreadsheets, and it wasn't five minutes. I had it all figured out. Mm -hmm. And from that moment on, God's first. Yeah. He gets all the tithe. And I'll tell you, the blessings that have come from that, um, my debt got paid off even sooner than I had planned because I was being in control and I was trying to plan it. And don't get me wrong, I still try to take back control of my finances, but I just keep laying them down. And he is trustworthy and he will provide. Mm. Amen. Thank you, Debbie. <laughs> Pastor Dave Stone. Yeah, I could easily preach a sermon yeah, on I think this you topic. Could. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I believe it was... It was Oral Roberts used to always say, tithing is not a debt you owe, but a seed you sow. Hmm. And before I got married, I lived with some missionaries in Panama for a year. And what they shared with me helped to, to influence my pattern of, of giving over the years. When they were in Bible college, they had envelopes on the wall. And they were listed as uh, rent, groceries, light, water, uh, and the last one was tithe. And so whenever they got paid, they would come down, they'd put money in each of the envelopes. And then as the month went on, they, wouldn't, they didn't pay their tithe first. They held that back, so if they ran out of money, that's where they would borrow from. Hmm. And so every month they ran out of money. And then God said, trust me, trust me, give the tithe first. They gave the tithe first, and you know what happened. Hmm. They never ran out of money after that. Every month, they did that. So 48 years that we've been married, we've always tithed, never bounced a check, never missed a payment. There have been tests. We haven't always had abundance. Sometimes you come through the month and you think, oh, man, if I, had the, if I gave the tithe, I could cover that. Hmm. The temptation at times is there. The test is there. But when you trust God, say, God, you're my provider. You will care for me. Mm. You give your tithe. 
never missed a payment. God has always been faithful. Amen. Thank you, Dave. Finally, Adam. Amen. Uh, I'm a PK from uh, all the way from Africa, Ghana. Thank you. I grew up uh, in a church, and uh, I'm here as a testimony of giving. So if you see me standing, I wanted to be encouraged of seeing me on this stage, on this platform, to give and give generously, because there's blessing in giving. And uh, when God is going to bless you, he's going to bless you bountifully. And uh, I want to distinguish between cheerful giving and then sacrificial giving and the blessings that it comes with. When you give cheerfully, God loves a cheerful giver. Art it says in the Second Corinthians. But sacrificial giving, you give out of your will. And when you give out of your will, that is when God is going to open bigger and better doors in your life. Jesus was giving to us sacrificially. Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac sacrificially. And God provided in abundance. So I urge all of us to give sacrificial giving. Don't be questioning yourself, if I gave, what am I going to eat tomorrow? Mm. Who is going to provide for my kid? What about my health? If you give, and you give wholeheartedly, I bet you, 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 you drive back and forth the whole year without even a headache to work and wherever you go. God is going to provide for you physically, mentally, emotionally, and financially. God bless us all. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Adam. <clears throat> we say thank you to these people for sharing. That is great. Oh, Danya wants to say one little tiny thing. One little tiny little thing. Um, the scripture in Malachi promises blessing when we test God in giving our tithe. And I think what um, I would want to caution is that somehow that's only money. And Isaac said it well. It is financial. It is spiritual. It is emotional. It is, there's so many blessings. But Isaac and I didn't buy our first house until we were in our 30s. But we, we tithed all through our 20s. So it's not like God just gives us everything that we want. I mean, like a few people said, there's tests, there's trials, there's still struggles. We know what it's like to live with thin margins. We know what it's like to live with bigger margins. It's like the Apostle Paul says, I can live with much, I can live with little. But Jesus was his focus. So I, I think that's just what I want to leave you with. We know what lack feels like. But we, we also know what trusting God in our lack feels like. That's it. Stay up here. Oh, yeah. okay. I need a volunteer. <laughs> Matt, come on up here. Jenna, you're, you're my kid, so it'll break down a little bit. You'll see. The illustration will break down just a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Hi, Matt. Hello. Hi, Donya. Oh, I've got some stuff in my Sweet. wallet. Oh, you watched out. I know. You have money? I do. Where did you get it? I know. I didn't give that to you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk after you. Yeah. So, this is my bride that I love, that I care for, that I want to experience blessing in every way, right? This over here. Yes. Not that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> 
God <laughs> describes that we, the church, is the bride of Christ. And then he turns to members of the body of Christ. And he gives. In your case, you'll see this. Yep. Oh, what? Yes. This is, there's some play money here. 20, 40, 60, 80, 100, 120, 30, 40, 60, 80. Snap. Oh, that was supposed to be 200. I must have miscounted. Okay, let's pretend it's 200. That's why I do the finances. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, test me. Bring the whole tithe. It's uh, about right. No. <laughs> All right. This illustration was great in my head. It's going to be awesome. So this is what God says to us. As he gives to Matt, in this case, as a steward, he asks, I want to give this to you. Okay. Yes. But first, my bride. First, my bride. Will you care for her needs? Will you care for her mission? Will you make sure she is provided for in every way? And so, the first, <laughs> yeah, that's the, yeah. So, you have a couple of, you have several fake bills. You have a couple of real ones. If God were to say, give me your first, and best, which of those would you give? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, your first. So let's just say it's 10%, $20. Yeah. If that is the exchange that is taking place within your life, how much more would God say, I can trust you with little, and so I will trust you with more? Because your heart is in the right place. And I believe that this is the principle for every person, that we are asked to serve the bride of Christ with our giving, to do it cheerfully, which will always be sacrificially, as Adam said, in some respect, and to care for. That puts our heart in the right place so that God can trust us with more. Mm -hmm.